Hi, I'm Liz Ware. And I'm Raelle Bell, and you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. So today we're going to talk about money. Yeah, and why you should spend more of it on lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that seems a little self-serving, but... um, Oh, sorry, we weren't supposed to be quite so transparent. Um, Yeah, we should bail a little better. So your lighting budget is a jumping off point. How about that? The lighting in your home, our guest is going to say this, the lighting in your home should be commensurate with the quality of other finishes in your home. If you've got a $5,000 granite countertop, you shouldn't light it with a fluorescent tube hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) And that might seem obvious, but it's a little more complex than that. And we're going to go into all the details of of what that means and and how you can have those conversations in a showroom setting about why it's important to light with proper products and proper layout. Mm -hmm. Who's going to tell us about all this, Rail? We have Peter Romanello, who founded his award-winning lighting design company, Conceptual Lighting, in 1998. Prior to that, he worked in lighting showrooms. He has done lighting for a long time. He's designed lighting systems for more than 2,000 plus residences, restaurants, retail spaces, healthcare facilities. He's done it all. He's also served as the regional vice president and member of the board of directors for the Illuminating Engineering Society. And he's taught seminars for many organizations, including quite a few ALA seminars just recently at our conference. He's always a very popular teacher. He's He's got a lot to say. Yes, he's got a lot of really strong and, in my opinion, really correct opinions about <laughs> lighting and what we should do. So he's a great person to hear from. But before we jump in, we would like to thank our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting, for supporting this podcast. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. This is a, a fairly detailed, complicated topic. And for someone who doesn't deal with budgeting a project like this all the time, just kind of start us off. What are the first things we should know? Sure. I think that thinking about the budget of lighting is really difficult because in general, people don't have any basis of knowledge to say what a correct number for lighting should be in a house. And, and when we talk about lighting, it actually has to get separated into two different categories because you have architectural lighting, which are things like recess fixtures and under cabinet lights and closet lights that we don't see. And then you have decorative fixtures. And so when you think about the split of that and we have these alleged numbers and allowances for lighting, there's nothing that really separates that. The interesting thing though, is that if you think about even a decorative chandelier, which obviously falls into the decorative category, you know, that could be $500 or it could be $5,000. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that if a, if a customer or a client chooses to spend that money, that's not looked at as a, a bad thing. But when it comes to architectural lighting, if let's say the, the baseline number for a very simple recess light is $50, if a client says to a contractor, you know what, I've got this lighting professional who is, is suggesting a fixture that's $200, the immediate response is always, oh, you don't need that. Hmm. And that kind of brings up so many different issues that we all face. And And as a a quick background, I have worked in showrooms back in the early 90s, and I've had my own lighting design business for 25 years. And so I've seen a lot of different sides of this. And I think that 
it's so important to to understand that there is no one right answer for how to deal with the budget, but that in general, the lighting costs should be presented in a way where they are commensurate with the quality level of the other things in that house. We were talking earlier and you say that that you don't generally have this problem with your clients because your clients are people who've hired a lighting designer. So they're already sold on the fact that lighting is important and it is you know worth sending some of the budget to lighting because that affects how everything else is gonna look. But how would you deal with um, a, a client who's walked into a showroom with you know a $3,000 allowance from their contractor and, okay, I have $3,000, that's how much the lighting is going to cost? It depends where that conversation starts or when it starts on that project. So if you think about Let's say it's a home that is more of a track home. And I don't, I don't say that in a derogatory way. I mean it that you basically have to understand that there are track homes that are developer homes. And then, you know, where the, the primary concern is to put up three or 400 or 500 homes as quickly as possible and move on to the next development, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's one level of house. And then you have something that is slightly better than that then you have semi-custom, and then you have custom. And, and the reaction to the lighting is different for each one of those. So let's say that if somebody comes into a showroom with a, an allowance that they've been given by their, their contractor, if they come in at the beginning of the project where it's framed, then that's one scenario. And if they come into a project where it's already framed, the recessed lights are up based on some layout from the electrical contractor, and they're just using that that allowance for decorative fixtures, that's a whole other scenario. And both of those things happen in a showroom environment. If it's a situation where a client or customer comes into a showroom at the beginning of that process, so now a framed home, and they walk in with their set of rolled up plans on a Saturday morning, and they're like, hey, I need you to you know lay this out for me by noon because the electrician's going to be here. <laughs> right. uh, and we've all seen that then that sets up a better situation for the showroom people to be able to say, okay, well, I can now educate that client because you're given the opportunity to say not only potentially what those recess fixtures are, but what's the proper layout. And also to talk about the level of quality that they should expect of their home, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a really interesting thing that, You know, we have this crazy, stupid industry that for decades has just belittled the importance of lighting. And I hate to say it, but everybody in the industry is culpable of that, right? Because if if you think about the, the analogy to plumbing, if somebody is designing that same house and they pick out a faucet that's $1,000 and they go to their plumber and they say, hey, this is the faucet I picked out. By and large, plumbers are going to say, great, tell me how many you want and I'll put them in. But when we do the same thing with lighting, what happens is that you go to the electrical contractor and you say, hey, these are these $200 recess lights that I think would be perfect for my home. The electrical contractor's immediate reaction in most cases is going to be like, you don't need that. I can get a quote can for 50 bucks. They look at it and they go, yeah, okay, cool. I can save $150 of recess light. Mm -hmm. Why do we do that? That, that electrical contractor has no idea 
if what he's suggesting is going to meet the needs of the client based on what they've discussed with the person in the showroom who's describing what they want that to do. And it could be as simple as, hey, I want to be able to angle this to be able to highlight a piece of artwork above my fireplace. Well, you know what? A wafer light doesn't do that. An all-in-one downlight doesn't do that. You know, and so that's that's a baseless response that our industry does. And and most of the time then we don't come back at that and say, oh, well, you know, since since when is the electrical contractor your lighting designer? It, right. it would be the same thing as having a painter tell an, an interior designer, you don't need that paint. I don't like that color. Yeah. Right. And it's inherent to this industry, which is really crazy. And the thing with, with a lighting layout is once it's set, it's set. That would, to me, I liken it to, you want a sink here and they don't put plumbing. They don't put a line to have a faucet. And then you later have to tear your house apart to change it. And that's the same thing with a lighting layout. If it's not done right the first time, they're going to have to tear the house apart to fix it. Exactly. And it even goes past the layout because, you know, one thing that I, I have told clients over the years is that you're putting something into your ceiling. You're never taking it out. Never. So why do you want to put something cheap in there? People mm-hmm, yeah. will repaint. They'll change the furniture. They'll change the carpets. They'll do all different things. But those lights, Rail, to your point, they're in that ceiling and they're not changing. So, so why do we put the junkiest thing into the ceiling in a situation where they're going to be there for the life of the home. Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, it's but, even, but it's because there's no perceived value. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. And it's even more important than things like flooring because people change their carpet or their mm-hmm. wood flooring or things like that frequently, really throughout the life of the home, but the lighting is not the same. You, you right. have that and it's there. And that gets into, I, I think, again, a, a larger misunderstanding. And when you think about other things that are in somebody's home, if it's tangible, like kitchen cabinets, hardware, countertops, anything, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can see it. But what happens with lighting is lighting is inherently intangible. And when I say that, I'm not, I'm not talking about decorative. Right. This is that separation between architectural and decorative. So if architectural lighting is the skeleton of the home from a lighting standpoint. The decorative, that's jewelry, okay? But if that importance isn't put on it at the beginning because we don't understand it, then you know we have this kind of weird disconnect where even for myself, I mean, I, I tell my clients, hey, if I put this light in this location and it's this fixture, it's going to light that artwork exactly how you want it to be lit. And I'm going to put that on a piece of paper and the electrician's going to install it. And they might not turn it on for two years before that home is completed. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that takes a lot of faith. That takes a lot of trust. And that's something that, that again, because it's intangible, clients just have to believe that. And so seeing that is important. Like if it's a showroom, obviously being able to, to display the differences between different types of recess fixtures, I think is critical. You know, that, that whole idea of a light lab, you know, light labs don't have to be incredibly complex. 
you could literally say in the market that we're located in, whatever geographic market that is, you can say, you know, most of the builders use this fixture. So you put four of them on the ceiling Mm -hmm. in what would be a typical layout. And then you can say, well, instead of doing that, then you could do this. And you, you show them incremental changes. Most of the time, if people see the difference and they experience the difference, then they'll put perceived value on it, which then makes them say, you know what? I really don't want that $50 quote can, mm-hmm. right? I always say quote can because I hate, I hate <laughs> the term can. I hate the term hi-hat, right? Because it automatically demeans what that is. And then if you start to talk to a client about, well, you know what? I need... Uh, an adjustable recess light because I want to angle that to hit a piece of artwork. That's a different story that that connotates a larger expectation than it can. So, mm-hmm. so maybe the best <laughs> advice to give people is just take that word out of your vocabulary. It's not pretentious to say a recess light. It's not pretentious to say downlight. It's in fact incorrect to say can. It's incorrect to mm-hmm. say hi hat, and it's incorrect to say pot light. Because that is hard to come back from. Right. That just makes it sound so utilitarian and and like it is what it is. And (laughs) well, and and if a contractor said, okay, I'm going to take some of these, you know, four foot fluorescent tube fixtures like you used to see hanging in garages and I'm going to put it in your living room, you would say no. So it's, it's a matter of scale, but it's the same kind of idea. It's it's really utilitarian and, oh, look, there are actually photons coming out as opposed to, oh, well, this is like being in a beautiful restaurant and there's a little glow and everything is gorgeous. And those are two very different experiences. They are. And being able to describe what lighting is going to feel like in somebody's home is incredibly important. Because again, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be able to see that and touch it and hold it in their hands. All they have is some baseless number of what they should be spending on lighting with Mm -hmm. no regard for how that lighting is going to affect their home. And so it really takes a lot of effort, unfortunately, on the part of most showroom employees and owners to educate and educate and educate why this is important. We're very fortunate, we, me and my company, um, we're very fortunate that we get to work on really great projects that, you know, budgets are so totally different. But there are also projects where we have to come in and educate the contractor yeah. and the homeowner because they might have budgeted out, let's say, $150 light for that project, but it really needs a $400 light. Not because it's $400, but because it's got 20 foot ceilings and Mm -hmm. we've got, you know, we've got to project light down from 20 feet down to hit a piece of artwork. I'm obviously very passionate about this because we have to do this every day on our projects. We have to educate even the upper, you know, one half of 1% of custom homes that are being built because depending on where that is, that contractor might have a very different set of opinions of what is appropriate. And sometimes we get onto a project where an architect or an interior designer has already taken a stab at the lighting and they've already specified out a fixture. And that fixture might not even be close to good or close to appropriate given everything else that's in the house, which again brings me back to that concept that the quality of the lighting has to be commensurate with the quality of everything else in the project. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So you're not going to put a $400 recess light in a $10,000 kitchen, but you're also not going to put a $75 recess light in a $400,000 kitchen. That doesn't equate. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute, but first a message from our sponsors. This year, Hinkley is celebrating a century of style. That's 100 years in business. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth generation family company with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do at Hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than just a lighting company. They're a bring people together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on-trend designs, and delivering high quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at kitchler.com. Well, right. and you talked about if a, if a person decides they want a $1,000 faucet, they pay for the $1,000 faucet and they get it. And letting people know that splurging on lighting is absolutely a thing they can do. And it might be the place to splurge. It might be that, you know, the custom sofa isn't going to have as big an effect on your home as the living room lighting is. So that's another important arm of this whole discussion. <laughs> and so I, I have this somewhat crazy concept that lighting should be taken out of a contractor's budget from this day forward. It should come out. <laughs> and the reason for that is that it's in there. I should start by saying it's in there because it is a building product that affects whether or not a contractor can get a certificate of occupancy. You have to have installed lighting in the house. So, so when they put together their budget, they have to include a line item in there for some level of basic lighting. Okay. So if you said as the homeowner, oh, I've got this allowance and all it's going to give me is basic lighting. Is anything else in the home basic? Mm. And the answer is probably not especially in the main living spaces of the house, the kitchen, the family room, the foyer, all those important rooms, right? So when you look at budgets, and again, this kind of gets into a break of architectural product versus decorative product. But if there's a project where there's an interior decorator or an interior designer, and I would also say that the difference between interior decorator and interior designer is also based on the level of home. So a semi-custom home might have an interior decorator and a custom home is almost assuredly going to have an interior designer, right? Mm -hmm. There are different levels of that. So when you think about what an interior designer or interior decorator adds to a project, it's obviously a lot, which is why they get hired. But everything that they specify and everything that they sell to the client is considered what's called FF&E. FF&E is furniture, finishings, and equipment. And all of that is at the basically the behest of the client. If they show a $20,000 cocktail table to a client, if the client wants to buy it, that is on them to say, mm -hmm. I'm going to take a check for $20,000 and buy that. And the contractor doesn't mind because of two things. It doesn't affect their construction budget and it doesn't affect the timing 
of the completion of the project, mm-hmm. right? So if you looked at lighting the same way, and if lighting came out of a construction budget, if a homeowner sits down with somebody at a showroom and they all determine that XYZ manufacturer that has a great recess fixture is more appropriate for that project. And oh, by the way, that's three times more than what the contractor had budgeted for the recess lights. Mm-hmm. Then if the homeowner wants to spend it, they should be allowed to spend it. And the contractor should then say, cool, I'm going to give you the allowance that we did, right? Mm-hmm. You can put it towards that. And just make sure that it gets here on time for the project so it doesn't slow me down. That's the way that it should happen because that's the way that it happens with kitchens and flooring, Mm -hmm. which are also in that contractor's budget. And the homeowners, by and large, will look at those contracts and laugh at it and say, there's no way I'm doing my kitchen for $6,000. No way. Mm-hmm. But with lighting, it's because they don't understand it. It's, oh, that's got to be what it is. So so it's really got to be the start of it, I should say. It has got to be the shift to take that budget number and either just call it a coupon or take it out completely and then say that lighting should become ff e And when you look at the decorative fixtures that an interior decorator or an interior designer is going to sell to the client, Again, if they want to sell them a $60,000 chandelier, if the client wants to pay for that, wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's really a very, very interesting kind of situation that is set up because these boundaries don't really mean anything in terms of the budget. It's coming out of either the left front pocket or the right front pocket of the homeowner. Mm -hmm. But because part of it is tied to what a contractor's overall cost per square foot number is, it's believed to be, oh my goodness, that's all I can spend. Right. Well, and you're right. The kitchen industry has done a better job of saying, look, this is how much you should spend on a kitchen and you should get what you want. But to just accept whatever basic lighting fixture a contractor has a gross of in the warehouse is like getting, you know, Formica countertops and, you know, sheet linoleum flooring. I mean, it's the very basic, cheapest, most utilitarian thing. And you don't think about how it'll affect how everything else looks. Right. And I mean, even working with like a builder in a spec type community, which I, you know, we live in something more like that and a new build community. So a lot of our neighbors are doing the same type of thing. You could go to the design center and you get, this is the base kitchen budget. They even say you should have this number of upgrades to reach that. And and that's not the way that lighting is looked at. So it should be, this is the basic lighting budget, but here are the upgrade options that you can spend. And that's like you said, it's coming out of their pocket. Right. And that's something that those design centers do well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you have those design centers in one, in one of these larger developments, right, where everybody goes and they pick out their stuff and they sometimes have decorative lights there. But when it mm-hmm. comes to the recess fixtures, by and large, it's, oh, this is what they give you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that the importance of those recess fixtures can't be underestimated. You know, it's really interesting because people have a visceral reaction to recess lights. They either love them or they hate them. And there's really not much in between. I know a lot of clients, even even my clients, they'll be like, oh, we did a house a couple of years ago. You know, we love recess lights. Or we did a house a couple of years ago and we hate recess lights. They're just a tool. That's mm-hmm. like saying, I hate windows or I hate doors. Or, <laughs> or you know, it's like... 
it's just a thing. And if that thing is in the wrong place or that thing is not the right thing or that thing is not the right quality thing, you're going to not have a good reaction to it. And so I, you know, have made it a, a point of really, really dialing in on the importance of quality the, of recess, the importance of, of layout and design. And because you can't go back on that, mm-hmm. it's stuck in your ceiling. So it's difficult for a showroom because if they get into that discussion process with a homeowner after the recess lights are installed, then all they're basically doing is picking out decorative fixtures with that client. There's nothing that can be done to improve the backbone of the lighting. If they can get in at the beginning, then there's an opportunity for them to educate and to inform that customer how important that decision is. And it seems to me that the education is really where all of this hinges, because even if you're buying a developer's home, you can get quality lighting. You might not be getting $400 recessed fixtures all throughout your house, but you can have them laid out for how you want to live and where you want to hang the art and you can have them adjustable and you can have better than just four cans in the ceiling at any budget. And it, you know, it's just about thinking about it. It's not even about spending more money except a little bit in the planning. It's just taking the time to make it a priority. Absolutely. And what you said there, Liz, is interesting because there are two parts to it. There's the quality of the fixture and there's the quality of the layout. Mm-hmm. So, so when you take something like a kid's bedroom and the typical thing is a recess site in each corner, right? The mm-hmm. four cans and a fan right. that we all see. And I always look at that and I say, well, that layout does not work. It just is a bad layout. And I will, I mean, it'll get printed on my tombstone. But <laughs> I believe that it's a bad layout. The reason for that is that if you think about it, let's say it's a bedroom, you're looking from your bed at the wall opposite you. Mm-hmm. Where do you hang artwork? In mm-hmm. the middle of the wall. So why do we put lights in the corners and not light the middle of the wall? Mm-hmm. And, and more importantly, if you have a table lamp or a wall sconce at the left side and the right side of the bed, you've now got a recessed light right on top of that on both sides. So mm-hmm. you're doubling up on where lights are and kind of skipping out where they need to be. So, so even taking that basic layout and saying, okay, if I can't increase the number of fixtures, I'd rather put the four that, are, that were given in a better spot. It's better to actually line them up to illuminate the wall across from the bed sure. because that's what you're looking at, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's really not just the fixture because you could actually take that improved layout with a just decent downlight and have a much better lighting result just by putting them in the right spots. And, you know, I, another analogy to the kitchen industry is that, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're actually really, really similar. The advantage that the, that the kitchen industry has, obviously, is that they, they can get people to spend a lot more money than the lighting industry does, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but... You can take a well-designed kitchen, so everything is in the right location, you've got enough cabinets, you've got enough drawers, you've got enough countertop, meets all the client's needs. As long as that design is correct, then theoretically, that will work, whether you have home center cabinets or Mm -hmm. semi-custom cabinets or custom cabinets, because the design works. And the same thing is true of lighting. 
right? So if the fixtures are in the right location, then the difference between, let's say, a low quality recess light and an okay fixture and a good fixture and a better fixture and a best fixture are benefits and qualities that a client or a customer then is either willing to put money into or not willing to put money into. And so the features and the benefits are then deemed to be important or not important. But if the fixture is in the right location, then at least you're in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But, you know, taking the sin of a bad layout and then duplicating that with another sin of bad fixture and bad layout, now it's, it's a disaster. So it really, there's so much to this. <laughs> we could probably go for another four hours, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, the one, the one really quick thing that I would say is think about lighting in terms of a percentage of the overall construction cost as opposed to a number. And I've been banging this drum for a while because <laughs> people hear a number and they're either comfortable with that or it's too high or it's too low. And typically mm. it's never too low, right? right? So instead of saying to somebody, you've got $10,000 towards your lighting, well, is that 1% of the construction budget? Is it 2% of the construction budget? Because that helps people to think about how important that is in perspective to everything else. And if you said to people, hey, you're going to light your entire home for 1% of your construction budget, most people would say, you know what, that, that would say to me that that's not very important. So then you say, okay, well, what percentage is important? Is it 5% important? Because now that $3,000 number just became $15,000 mm -hmm. if it's 5%. So, so it is important to think about things in terms of percentages and, and instead of just a number. Yeah, because when you say 5% and as someone who understands how important it is, that even sounds like such a small amount. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Peter. I think this has been a oh, great welcome. conversation. We really appreciate it and I hope everyone enjoyed. Liz, I'm so glad that your cat could join us for this interview as well. <laughs> he was feeling neglected. I, uh, I'm, I apologize for neglecting my cat prior to the podcast, so he felt the need to make an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> He's always welcome. So Peter was talking about telling your contractor that you want this kind of light, this this more expensive light. This happened to me when I, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm just and I'm sorry, I'm still mad about it. So I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> When I moved into my little condo, I wanted to put in some recessed fixtures and I knew where I wanted to hang the art and I wanted these recessed fixtures that have a little you know, tilt to them so that I could appoint them at the walls. And the contractor said exactly what Peter said, you don't need all that. And I had to fight with him. So one of the lessons here is fight for what you want. If your contractor says no, you know, A, hire a different contractor, or B, tell them, no, I'm the client, this is what I want, let's do it right. Right. It's an important conversation to have. And it's like Peter said, once it's done, it's kind of done, mm -hmm. unless you're willing to spend a bunch of money to do it again, which I don't think most people are. No. And, and what I really liked is kind of when he got into the conversation about layout and how that mm -hmm. is almost more important because once it's set in the layout, even if it's not the ideal recessed fixture that he would pick, it's still going to be better because it's properly laid out. 
I think that's really important because yes, having a fixture in a place is something that you can't correct. I mean, it's either there or it's not. Having the $50 fixture or the $100 fixture or the $400 adjustable in every kind of way, invisible, you know, whatever, whatever all the things are. But he's also got a point. If you've got to project light from a 20-foot ceiling, you're going to need a different fixture. You're not going to need the most basic fixture. So all things to think about. Absolutely. And all things for our showrooms to to discuss and, and bring mm-hmm. up with their customers. Even if it's some not somebody building a new home at the time, if you have someone in your showroom who's maybe just looking for a decorative fixture, bringing up this conversation and getting it in their head. So maybe they're Mm going to redo their remodel in a few years, or maybe they're going to build another house. And the more that we can spread this message and explain the importance and the value to people, the better. Absolutely. A lot of times we talk about new builds. We talk about construction. We talk about designing a home from scratch. And that's not everybody's reality. I've never in my whole life, my family has never built a home. I've never built a home. We buy homes that have been sitting there and we we adjust them. We remodel them. We right. change them to suit how we want to live in them. And so that's One possible thing- for us too. And one thing I also like that Peter said, because coming from, like I said, more of a a track home type community, and I've lived in a couple newer homes that um, Mm -hmm. are in communities like that. And I know quite a few people who do as well. And a lot of times there are, there are rules. There's, there are going to be four cans in here. That's what we have. That's what the electrician is going to install. But if you can have that conversation and you can say, okay, that's fine, but I don't want them in the corners. I want them in the center of the wall, Mm -hmm. like the artwork where I'm going to put it. You've already, you know, improved your your home immensely and you haven't changed the budget necessarily. So Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Layout is something that by and large doesn't cost money. I mean, there could be situations where putting a fixture is more complicated, but it's just about planning ahead of time. It's just about paying somebody who knows where to put the fixtures. But other than that, it's just about using knowledge to get them in the right place. And you're so far ahead of the game if you spend a little time up front to not make mistakes. Well, Peter was such a great guest. Keep listening because we'll probably have him back because after we finished our conversation, we started a whole nother discussion. That was a great (laughs) topic as well. So (laughs) if you enjoyed that, keep your eyes and ears open for more episodes with Peter. And if you enjoyed that, also, please rate the podcast. It really helps us, and we are trying to get the word out to more and more folks. And if the folks who listen to us will give us a little thumbs up if you like us, then that will help other people find us. And if you have suggestions, comments, feedback that you want to share with us, we would love to hear that as well. Email us at podcast at alalighting.com and let us know what you think. Email us anyway. If everyone who listened right now to this podcast emailed us, we would not be mad. So please, you don't have to have some great insight about some future topic or anything. Email us and say hi. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting for sponsoring this podcast. Stay brilliant. Brilliant. Wouldn't change a thing. (laughs) 